Svepur is Mushroom in Icelandic. Hello and welcome to That Tech Show, the show that reveals the magicians behind the magic that is everyday technology. That Tech Show is a weekly podcast hosted by myself, Samuel Gregory and Chris Adams. Hello. On today's episode, we have George Coxon. George is the director of Nano Foundation, as well as an advisor to the Global Blockchain Initiative. Nano is a super fast, environmentally friendly, community first cryptocurrency with a bright future. In this episode, we talk all about Nano and why it's so different, what we wanted to be when we grew up, and the difficulties George has experienced being a woman in tech and what she is doing to help change it by speaking at schools and by judging in rising women in crypto. That and much, much more on this week's episode of That Tech Show. Here is George Coxon. My name is George Coxon, and I am director of the Nano Foundation and director of Appia. Cool. Well, thank you for being on the show, George. It's a pleasure to speak to you. Um, I think this all started because we got in touch with each other uh, via via LinkedIn as well. Indeed. Um, mostly because we, I mean, Sam and I are, are pretty obsessed with crypto. We talk about it on our news show on a weekly basis, uh, and so it's really a pleasure to have somebody on the on the show who might be able to give us a little bit more insight into what it's like actually on the other side inside a, a currency. So, um, I'd love to know a little bit more about your background, but perhaps let's start with Nano. So, what what is Nano exactly? So, Nano is a sustainable digital currency with ultra fast transactions and zero fees over its decentralized, secure network. So, just like cash in your pocket, Nano is digital money. Simple as that. You've done that before. How can you tell? <laughs> so, I was interested to, to learn a little bit more about Nano because um, I think one of the, 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 you know, certainly a lot of. Um, benefits in comparison to something like Bitcoin, because there certainly seems to be a lot of comparisons out there. You obviously have a subreddit as well, um, which we were talking about just as you as you uh, as we joined the podcast and we were setting up. So um th- I mean that's going pretty particularly well. You have a very vibrant community. Um can you talk to us about the, the benefits, the differences between Bitcoin versus Nano? Yeah. So I mean Nano was initially designed um, having been watching, our, our founder, Colin, had watched uh, Bitcoin and been very excited about the possibility of digital money. And obviously, Bitcoin was the vehicle towards kind of the world, understanding the potential of digital money in that realm. Um, but unfortunately, with Bitcoin as kind of a first mover and shaker in the space, has some, some problems when it comes to being actual digital money and digital cash, um, whether that's speed fees and energy consumption. So that's something that we try to fix with Nano is making a green sustainable currency with zero fees and instantaneous transactions. So instead of waiting an hour for a Bitcoin transaction, you are now waiting on average 0.2 seconds for a transaction to be fully confirmed across the globe with zero fees. So that's really what we're trying to do um, is is just be a peer-to-peer digital currency where Bitcoin is, is more of a store of value, I think, these days due to due to the time and, and fees involved. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, st- stuff going on right now about uh, sort of Bitcoin. And it, it's it's been really popular, I guess, for the first half of the year. There's been a huge, uh, huge rise in its popularity. Uh, but certain things that have happened more recently have seen a little bit of a decline. I think China's just shut off like 90% of its mining, uh, which we were, we were just talking about, Sam and I, on our, our new show earlier the week. Um, how, how much is the success of nano or smaller cryptocurrencies tied to Bitcoin? Because they've been very closely pegged for a while. 
Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, I think there's two kind of facets here. First is in the market and in the price. And with Bitcoin being kind of the, the most popular, most well-known and the first mover in this space, obviously will have kind of a larger following. But there always needs to be room for innovation and improvement therein, in my mind anyway. With Bitcoin and, and with Nano, you know, I think there has to be, a, you know, a first mover, which Bitcoin was. There has to be forthcoming innovation around it. The Nano's price, unfortunately, is and the market is all reliant on, on Bitcoin due to the huge market cap that it has currently. I think we've all seen Elon Musk tweet that <laughs> crashed the market, um, and especially the Bitcoin market due to its energy consumption for Tesla. And I think that shows just how deep the speculation and how easy the, the crypto market is to be manipulated and, and moved. Um, and obviously with Nano, we are, we're trying to be a real world currency. And so we don't really partake in the perspective market as much as kind of other organizations and foundations may do. Um, so our real focus is in the real world, in real world utility and not really in the trading aspect of of nano or crypto assets so how, how do you see that um being utilized then because i think you know some places are starting to take crypto payments um how is that how's that working for you what are you doing to try and get out there and make sure that other organizations well that it well that, that nano can be used as a, a cryptocurrency and then how do you actually compete against all of the others because there's there's a plethora of, of cryptocurrencies available yeah i actually i think i looked today and there's 10246 or something tokens and assets listed on coin market cap um and that's incredible i i actually i, I was i was going to go for like you know 100 <laughs> no 10000 plus and it's all wow. increasing and as wonderful and as you know, impressive the innovation around all these tokens and assets are, in our minds at, at Nano Foundation and with Nano, we truly believe in fixing a real world problem. So what we do at Nano is we work very closely with organizations to make sure and to, to find solutions for problems that organization might currently have. So for instance, we are working with some people on the ground in Lebanon right now who can't get money in and out of the country um, due to the economical and humanitarian crisis that's really going on there. And I think the limit of uh, an ATM withdrawal is around $200 mm. per month, which is just not feasible for an economy to move forward. So what we're doing is we're working with people on the ground there and using Nano's cross-border capabilities and speed and lack of fees to be able to get money in and out of that country. So with us, we focus on real world utility and working with, with people who actually have a need for Nano and it's not just a nice to have currently. Well, I was talking uh, a couple of years ago with, a, um, with an organization that was setting up to go after that, um, a, a bank, a fintech, you know, that was going after uh, that market really, that international payments, because I think um, it had been... Uh, sort of stated by Forbes that it was like a multi-trillion dollar area of the market that wasn't really being used or or, um, or or exploited at all. But how does you know? I can see obviously if you're you're going after that that area, but with zero fees, how does how does Nano fund itself? How does that work? <laughs> so we yeah we have we had an interesting and I you know our distribution story I think is is pretty amazing and that all comes back to our, our funding and how we currently fund ourselves. Um, so when instead of 
when most of the market uh, had an ICO initial coin offering. Um, in our minds, that only benefits those people that had capital. And that really is the antithesis of why cryptocurrency was designed. Mm. And so what we did is we created an online website and anyone and everyone could jump online to that website and complete Google captures. You know, the 12 boxes you get presented with and you have to choose mm -hmm. the free bridges or the bicycles. It's a very laborious task. But therein lies the secret is that this method benefited those people that had the most time and their time was worth the least on a global scale. And so that's how we managed to create truly organic communities where nano, there was a need for it. And that was in Indonesia, in the Philippines, in Venezuela, Brazil and continental Africa. And that really is the foundation behind nano. It's around real world need and utility. Um, and that's kind of how we separate ourselves. But when it comes to how we fund the Nano Foundation, when we closed off this faucet after two years, we kept the equivalent of $700,000 worth of Nano. And that's it. We are a not-for-profit foundation. And three and a half, nearly four years later, we have $2.5 million worth of Nano, having never taken a profit or revenue in so maintaining our not-for-profit status, we are a very, very lean, hardworking team. We're all overworked and underpaid, but we all do it due to the passion that we have for Nano and really changing the world for, for better. And if anyone does it better than us, we will join them um, because it is about making a, a remarkable and tangible improvement to those people that really need it rather than those that it's nice to have. Wow, that's incredible. So... How how is that um, that that seven hundred thousand uh, you said that's now yeah thousand dollars worth of nano and, and that's that's just grown because of the popularity of nano the, the the value of nano yeah so it's down to the market as well we have never been frivolous at all um, and we are incredibly streamlined so our only costs are payroll and servers really mm. and then legal on top of that which unfortunately <laughs> my sizable chunk everyone has to have legal <laughs> especially in our space. So we are just incredibly, incredibly lean. Greed has no place inside our foundation or inside our team. And anyone who has you know, given off that impression or is doing this for their own self-serving benefit has found that there isn't really a place for them within the foundation. It is all about doing something better for the wider, wider world. And that's what makes it a foundation, I guess, rather than... Exactly. Yeah, we are people first. And that really is it. It's, it's just that. We hire people based on themselves and their passion, their drive, their grit and stamina. You can teach everything <laughs> else, but you can't teach that kind of thing. So was that in was that planned then that it would grow and that was going to be how you would how you would fund it or was is that just look? <laughs> it's been terrifying. No, it's not been planned at all. Um, so uh, when that, that that kind of number was kept, um, we didn't have a team formed. We didn't have any entities or anything mm. like that. That was. Colin uh, by himself, I think, panicking, being the, the only person involved in Nano. It was formerly Rayblox at the time. Um, but with us, you know, we it's, it's definitely been a trial um, and very challenging and testing, but it's something that we've been trying to keep as pure as possible. We had the option to fundraise if we need to, um, but we've never had to go down that route. Um, we've definitely had some scary times during the, the last <laughs> bear market yeah. where we, I think we were under a dollar for about a year and a half. And actually we were looking to close down the foundation last December, this March, because that's how tight we were um, with wow. kind of, you know, moving forward. Colin and I were going to continue working and we we're going to move into a lot more of an open source kind of Linux foundation-esque kind of style. But luckily 
the price rose and uh, and we've managed to to remain incredibly careful with our funds um, and that's why you know on top of that we don't market um, to the same extent we focus on making a true currency so we keep we keep our heads down we're the kind of kid at you know at school at high school that's the nerdy one that doesn't partake in the parties <laughs> and then when they leave school they're the ones that you know become the high flyers that's, ah, that's I see that's a good uh, that's a good analogy I like it I think we missed something in there, though. You you mentioned that there was a former name, actually. Yes, Rayblox. Um, people like to mispronounce it in all manners of terms, Rye, Ray, you know. Um, but it, yeah, Rayblox was the initial uh, name chosen by Colin back in the day, down to the Yap Islands, where they had Raystones that was their form of currency. Um, mm. And actually, I was involved before I joined Nano Foundation. I, myself and my brother, actually created an online digital wallet the first one for nano called yapray um and that's still my reddit name today which i'm sure you'll see around and about but ah there we go insight and so where where did nano come from so nano was a a, a rebranding that needed to happen due to the complexity i think of the name rayblox nano with obviously it's it's a measurement it's small, it's light, it's fast. And that's really what we wanted to be perceived as. That is the facets behind Nano, the currency. Um, <laughs> obviously, we do have, you know, at the beginning, we have some SEO issues. It is a very, very generic name. Mm. But the point is, is that we want Nano to feel so ubiquitous to your everyday life. It is a name that you feel fits into your everyday parlance really and that's really what it's become no i think it's a good name i mean how do you how you must have gone through a cycle of a huge number of names i'm sure it's so difficult naming things there were, yeah exactly and especially a world currency as well um <laughs> it's, it's definitely a challenge but we're actually about to release and we've we've thrown some easter eggs out there our actual our currency sign so we are releasing a currency sign that will fit alongside the dollar sign, the pound sign, and the yen. Um, Bitcoin cool. have been the only currency that have managed to do that, and that took them 10 years to get into Unicode. We will be releasing ours very shortly, and, uh, and that will hopefully cement our position among fiat currencies as a global currency rather wow. than as a cryptocurrency asset. What does that look like? Can you tell us? I, uh, I, oh, I, if I did, <laughs> I don't think I'd do it justice. I think you'll have to wait for the unveiling, but it is around and about our community if you look hard enough. All right, cool. Um, but yes, and our new ticker to go along with that is XNO as well um, to, to be compliant. So uh, Nano well, uh, is obviously the currency name, but our new ticker will be XNO and our currency sign will fit alongside XNO. Very That's well. very cool. And I saw that you uh, you had uh, challenge coins as well. The, um, I'd seen that someone had made you some physical nano. Yes, uh, that's true fan mail. It was such a treat. I've actually got <laughs> one right here. That's very cool. It's bigger than I thought it would be, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's weighty. It's, it's, it's true quality. That is very cool. Obviously, it doesn't travel well well on an audio podcast, of course. But um, exactly, ma- exactly, maybe we'll save that for a video clip, or uh, completely, or, or completely. put a picture up online. <laughs> I think we'll have to. Um, but no, really sweet, and that's all community made, and actually, it was gifted by another community member to our team here in London. So it was a lovely surprise walking to the office and finding those. Because there's a whole um, community uh, marketplace as well, isn't there? There is. They've the community. Our community are just a force of nature. They've created. 
uh, an eBay for, for Nano, um, which we're hoping to kind of help push out a little bit further. But it's so wonderful to see the innovation within our community. It's constantly invigorating. So how did how did that come around? Because it, it, I mean, we talked about the subreddit before. I think I also noticed that not only do you have over 100,000 subscribers, but you're also like number one on the growth chart for finance and business. Like we are. I mean, how how do you go about building a, such a fan base? I mean, where did that come from? We're looking for tips. Yeah. Yes, we're looking for tips. Really. <laughs> no, what well, it really comes down to passion and a core principle. Um, we, as an under community, you know, is famous for its altruism, for its passion, and for its excitement. Everyone is there to help each other. No one's there for their own greed and that's really where the best ideas come from is true passion and and being open to sharing your ideas there's no you know bad projects or bad ideas that get shot down in our community everyone is fed back to by other community members and when we have the time and space we try to as much as possible to to lift those those projects up but it is just purely down to having such a core principle which is nano, which is the right over your own money and economic freedom, I think. So that's really, I think, the secret source behind it. Also letting them, letting a community really self-police themselves, not we're trying to take a step back, but at the same time, we at the Nano Foundation are just a part of the Nano community. And we're really looking forward to moving into a lot more of an open source, decentralized uh, nature when it comes to the network too. Well, I was going to ask about that because on the technology side of things, how how involved does the community get in the technology itself? On a varying degree. With it's with the community, there are some very, very talented developers um, and very, very talented people in, in a multitude of ways. When it comes to the node software, that we would love to see a lot more of, of kind of you know community contributions to the node software but that does require a very set of specific skills that you know we aren't in denial about how difficult that is so that is something that we are hoping to to improve in our documentation and improve Mm. in kind of how we can clarify and make it easier for for developers to jump in and be a part of of the network in that way and how to you know set up a node all those kind of instructional tutorials and um, getting them out further with with a nice educational platform hopefully documentation always a big problem in software development it is indeed <laughs> it's rather beautiful but i think it could be clearer for you know global translations and mm. languages as well but and i suppose it's you know if you're get, getting contributors in and you're actually trying to keep to that such a low latency because i've I noticed you said about uh, 0.2 seconds for the transaction time but isn't it um around 20 to 100 milliseconds you were talking about latency i think it can be it all really depends we are we're going through a bit of a, a change at the moment we are uh putting in some very very novel um and very exciting components into the nano node software which uh will be kind of in our minds the crypto 3.0 of what cryptocurrency could be which is removing proof of work entirely mm. and so we are just about to uh to move forward to v23 and and continue those improvements of those components moving forward does that include uh a, a, an increase in the transactions per second because i've already seen as well that you've got somewhere in the region of t- 10 million transactions per second uh, I don't know where you've seen that. Um, uh, we, <laughs> I, wish, I wish it was. I think it might have been that infographic. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to community infographics. 
someone's very proud of that then they've exactly. load tested it <laughs> well we, we're currently on around 70 um tps um and that's been kind of uh stable for around mm. i'd say for around six weeks now the only thing that's holding us back from a higher tps with nano is bandwidth and resources and the algorithms that are in the network right now so there was actually no physical cap that can be on nano's tps we are working towards making our algorithms that have some slow components in them right now making them faster more efficient and we'll be we'll be jumping up those tps runs pretty quickly from then on but there is no limit to nano's tps on that you heard it here first. <laughs> I think what's interesting is that I noticed that Nano seems to be being used within other things as well. So I noticed on on your on your subreddit today because I've been stalking it. Um, the uh, there's a, a gaming platform, Pokey, uh, that are starting yes. to use that for microtransactions. Is that right? Yeah, and that's that's exactly where we want Nano to be. Man, you know, due to Nano's fearless nature, due to its speed, it is perfect for microtransactions. You know, our dream is that Nano is the kind of the money of the internet really um and has the the same speed as internet latency there's there's no reason why it can't have that speed what mm. we're looking for is exactly this as in-game you know microtransactions or nano actually you know being utilized um so we have actually an ex nano uh, foundation developer creates a unity 3d plugin for nano which is so exciting and opens up a whole realm mm of gaming industries um we and community are all very excited about this and wild but we have um spoken to razor and um, the huge gaming company as of late and there's a huge potential for nano within the gaming world that we're really keen to explore further and so the whole technology seems quite unique or at least different to you know the the original um sort of cryptocurrency te- te- technology you talk about you know moving away from proof of work and that sort of stuff is there a way that I can use the nanotechnology, but for a different application? So the way that we've designed it is as just a pure currency. Mm. Um, so you would have to, if you were looking to use nano in any other way, that would require you to fork nano and change some of the fundamentals that we have installed within the network to make sure that it is truly as efficient as possible. So there's no smart contracts, there's no fluff or mm. anything else as layers on top of nano we focus on the protocol level being as efficient as possible. And therefore, it is a tool and as open source to be used by others as they wish. Um, so whether it's in a closed loop economy and people need to make some sort of tweak to Nano to use that, that's absolutely fine. You can go wild. But we are focused on Nano being a true currency. Mm. And therefore, all the work we're doing on the protocol level is to be as efficient as possible in that realm. And have you seen people fork the uh, the, the code base and, and go in we different have directions? tried. They have tried. tried. Have we had yeah. any successes? <laughs> uh, I haven't seen any, no. I mean, we've had a few people um, uh, try and fork Nano and still use it as currency, um, and uh, that's failed a few times. Mm. Um, and, uh, I mean, you know, there's a, there's been so many years of work behind building these communities and, and building kind of the team or, you know, the ethos that we really live by. And that's not as replicable as people think it is. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, I wasn't thinking of it necessarily as a, uh, you know, forking and creating my own currency, although maybe we could have that texture of currency. Uh, I don't think it would. You might as well just use Nano. I don't think we've got the community. I think we'll just push Nano instead. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in terms of um, 
in terms of like actual applications that I might want to develop, you know, um, for example, there's, there's an organization I'm working with at the moment where I could see an application for using that sort of technology for fast transactions that are secure and safe. Um, but really the sort of blockchain technology that's out there and available, perhaps, it, you know, I know Ethereum is probably the closest thing that has a sort of platform that you could use and, you know, apply internally. Uh, I was just curious as to how that would be um, potentially applied. Because the thing you'd be looking for is something that is as fast as you're saying Nano is. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can always build a second layer on top of Nano. But on the protocol level, Nano has been, as, as I said, kind of designed to be a currency and a currency alone. We actually believe that there aren't that many utilities of cryptocurrencies outside of being a pure currency. Mm. I'm not the biggest supporter, I have to say, of smart contracts. I haven't seen them be proven to work and then also in my mind smart contracts do not take in the the incumbent human behavior of the world so just mm. say you've got art on the blockchain and you've got a piece of art and you're following its you know its ownership throughout and just say it gets stolen and found again goes to court and goes to a human judge and they decide that actually the ownership lies with this person now you have a wrong immutable ledger then forevermore and so I don't think that smart contracts and the ideology yeah, and the ideology behind smart contracts has actually taken into account the human nature of how the world works currently. I think there's a future for them, but not as of yet. That's a very good point, because obviously I think people have really jumped on the bandwagon of NFTs earlier this year. <laughs> Agreed, yeah. Um, and I think it, there's a lot of people thinking this is the new way that we deal with um, copyright. Um but you're yeah. very, very right. It's the uh, it, it's it's the law. It's the things that get decided in the courts exactly. that dictate what actually happens. And I suppose, yeah, how do you fix the ledger? Because the because the judges don't know these things. I don't think completely. I actually think I think <laughs> NFTs are a beautiful example of the epitome of human nature. The 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 act of wanting to own something to say you own it but you don't physically have it um, mm. is something that I think is is inherent uh, within us as humans wanted to say that we own something just for the sake of saying that we own it. That's my view on NFTs personally. And there's some very crazy things up for sale, aren't there? We've seen tweets. Yeah. Uh, what else have we seen, Sam? Websites. Yeah. Christie's <laughs> have been doing a lot of NFT sales. I think they sell something for 60 million not too long ago, which is an eye-watering amount of money. So yeah, we'll see how far this uh, this goes really. Um, I hope it doesn't detract away from actually, you know, the gig economy, artists, musicians, being able to actually feel empowered and owning the sale of their own work online um, in a tokenized form. Mm. I mean, I think there's, uh, there's definitely, there's, there's potential for like the music, you know, the music side of things. It would be nice if you were able to remove some of those uh, bad contracts, I'd say, within the music world so that the artists actually owned their own stuff. But Completely. And also, you know, what we're, some little side projects, and I'm going to say this out here, in the hope that someone in our community jumps on this and takes it <laughs> up, but we would love to create an Instagram Live filter, a skin, so that every time a musician does an Instagram Live, people can actually donate their nano through a QR code, you know, on a skin, so that people, you know, can, can take 100% of their nano as a donation, wow. rather than having to divvy it up to whoever... You know. Digital busking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Virtual upside down hat. Yeah, keep it digital. <laughs> well, absolutely. That sounds that sounds fantastic. Um, so, I mean, 
also, am I right in thinking, I'm going to check all my facts now because I, I got the latency, the transaction one wrong. Uh, 133 million nano. Yes. That's right. Cool. Yeah. So how does that work then? How do you deal with having a fixed amount? So the fixed amount is for deflationary purposes. So if you look at a country such as Argentina with a 50% inflation rate, Every year, as a normal person, your bank account, whatever's in a bank account, is worth 50% less every mm. year. That's just, it cannot work for a global currency in our view. So it had to be a fixed amount. Now, 133 million nano, that doesn't sound like a lot, but actually not what you're not seeing. It's 133 million times 10 to the 33. So there's 33 zeros on top of the 133 million. So that's why we are infinitely scalable. Um, mm. And, you know, there are enough nano out there. When we feel that there has reached a, a critical mass of adoption, decimalization will be looked at with nano so that we make sure that, again, payment behaviors feels normal and you're not paying for a coffee with 0.0002 nano or, <laughs> you know, 33,000. You know, it needs to feel like it's it's a normal currency mm. and, and understood. So that's a little bit further in the future. But yes, there are, there are 33 zeros that are hidden within that 133 million. Interesting. And how is that going to, well, slightly aside from that, but how, how are you prepared for rumors of global crypto regulation we are you know we're quite excited about it in the sense that so nano is a non-security and we have uh main jurisdictions we've got legal opinions stating that in various different jurisdictions whether it's apac us or uk or german law uh covering eu with regulation i think that there's a need <laughs> to regulate this wild west of a space that there currently is. Um, I do think there needs to be, instead of looking at actually the regulation, let's look at actually who are the regulators? Are they totally informed of the space? Are they making correct decisions based on evidence and, and true factual uh, research rather than what the media is spouting out or who has the most money to get in front of which lobbyist first? And that is currently the state of play. What we're trying to do is actually put ourselves forward and speak to regulators and go, there is a different way of doing this. There's a way that empowers people yet is free, that is green, that is fast and has everything that you are looking for when it comes to a global currency. So there's a, there's a time to work with regulators and make sure that we are creating a, a regulatory environment that actually increases and empowers innovation rather than stemming innovation, which I think most re regulation is seen as to do. So I think it's up to us to try and change that environment moving forward when it comes to regulation of cryptocurrencies. Do you think that's going to be an easy task? Or? Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, how, how, do you, how do you wedge into that? Um, just with a lot of gumption. Um, so Colin and I, <laughs> I actually invited us to a, um, a workshop with the FCA um, the other wow. day on purpose, just so that we can start getting our foot in the door. We've got you know, a lot of networks that we will have the, um, the opportunity to sit at roundtables with various people. And there's, there's lots to come. But I think you know, the, the lack of actual non-bias factual evidence on what crypto, the state of cryptocurrencies are and what the potential could be definitely needs a lot of work. Well, I mean, they're very, I, th I think it's probably a very different thing for, because oh, of course I want to cover that you are the director, but you were previously the COO, right? Yes, I was, yeah. 
And so you you are now a director not because you are less important. <laughs> you are a director because you decided to, collectively, the, the two of you, to change your title. Yeah, we decided that it was, we weren't, Colin was CEO and I was COO. We weren't firstly kind of really fulfilling that delineation of title internally anyway, but actually it was a big step towards decentralization of, of what we deem Nano and the Nano Network to mm. be. Um, and so we did rescind our titles about three weeks ago and decided that director was more akin to a foundational role such as we have at Nano Foundation. I think I've been kicked by every mentor that I've ever had um, for doing such a thing. But actually, it really speaks to the building blocks behind Nano and the direction that we're looking to bring Nano to when Nano really is commercial grade. And that's really the time when we feel there is no any, you know, Vulnerabilities is the wrong word, but there's no final huge, you know, tweaks that we want to make to the code to make it more efficient. And we're looking at that kind of early next year. We will shut down the foundation because Nano must be a truly decentralized currency um, to be deemed a global currency. And we cannot, as Nano Foundation, put ourselves first before that. So we will offload and offshoot Nano as a full global currency of the world and shut down the foundation behind it. With any kind of ongoing maintenance, we're looking at the Linux you know, foundation model moving forward. Um, and Colin and I will always, always be involved. And whatever we do, Nano will always be at the, the core of our heart. Wow. And so we'll continue working on that in our spare time. So you spun it up and let it go. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the eventual plan, yeah. Wow, okay. That threw me for six, I think, that one, actually. <laughs> I hadn't really expected that. Does, does that mean that you're essentially expecting to complete the roadmap then, or that it's then going into community-developed community, community roadmap? There's a, there's a limit to, um, you know, there's, there's, we don't have that many changes to make, really, to, to really deem Nano as truly commercial and ready for the big bad world we probably we've got v23 coming up and we're hoping to have that kind of completed we all know how software works so i'm not going to give any dates <laughs> but in a very very near- you'll be ready when it's ready yeah exactly well the, the reason why i asked you originally about the question about the the director is that the uh, there's a couple of branches off this right so the <laughs> the um the fact that you you started this this company together and you've created this foundation and now you're going into meetings that are you know talking about global crypto regulation that's a quite a departure in terms of how where it starts to where it where it is now like how do you actually it's a very different thing it's a very different job like how 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 comfortable are you shifting from that let's create this thing <laughs> to actually now we're going to be a a player on the on the global stage trying to regulate crypto i personally love it i've always <laughs> had and i'm sure we'll go into this in a second but i've always had a very interesting um i think career pathway but with nano mm. it's it's so clear it's so easy to feel passionate about it that you know, the, all the hard work and the challenges seem to, you know, do pay off. You know, we all have our bad days and our good days. But, you know, I've been at Nano for three and a half years now. Um, and uh, I was COO for, for two of those, um, two and a half. And so it's, it's a crazy world and it's a challenge. But I, I think, you know, Colin and I are definitely ready for that. And having kind of seen how the space has evolved and matured over the last couple of years, we really feel that actually we have 
something to to share and to help the space kind of moving forward when it comes to speaking to the right people. I think our our ethos in trying to keep, you know, in trying to really do what we said we'd do, which is is help those in need, create financial global inclusion for all, is something that you know, if you're open to continuously learning, which we are, we're also very open to be told that we could do better or we're doing something wrong. How can we improve? And we're trying and getting more communicative around kind of that kind of side and going, look, let's let's do this together. We are not here for our own personal gain. And that has really helped us. Also, Colin and I, we're, we're best friends and having, you know, that unbreakable trust, and unbreakable bond in doing this mad, mad thing <laughs> together. We often have to pinch ourselves to remind ourselves actually how global and how big this is. We can sit in a little bubble every now and again and think that we have a normal life and it, it certainly is not. And so you, you are also a director, as you mentioned, in Appia. Yep. Um, so that's the, that's one of these complementary businesses. It, it... Yeah, it started a couple of years ago, actually. Um, we got very tired with the infrastructure around cryptocurrencies, not really catching up on the efficiency and the fee side compared to what we were trying to create with Nano. And so, you know, we've got a fee network with Nano, but then if a service on either end has a seven-hour delay, no one gets to feel that benefit. Or if you've got a, a fee-less, you know, network, um, then you've got fees whacked on, on on each end as mm. well. And so we decided to, to actually jump ahead and, and try and create our own. And that's where Appio was born. Um, I think kind of actually we should have put our time and money into cloning ourselves because <laughs> uh, we have not been able to really dedicate as much time to Appia as we'd like. We're really looking forward to, to expanding Appia further and later on this year. But the real beauty of what we've created actually are hardware modules. So it's a hardware module, which is a couple of inches by a couple of inches that fits into any automated payment machine. Um, and so it displays a QR code. Appia is crypto agnostic. Um, we will actually be moving that purely to nano. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, we don't see a need for it to be agnostic anymore. And so with a new payment protocol, you actually have a, a merchant and customer certification process of that transaction which um, needs to really happen in the crypto world. There's a, we've got huge long addresses. You don't know who you're paying. And to have that validation within the transaction, we felt was very important. But these modules, they have connectivity that there's no other. So they've got Wi-Fi connectivity up to 4G and then down to 2G fallback. So the purpose of these is they work in the Sahara Desert. They work underground. They work anywhere you need them to work. And will retail for around you know, 50 to 70 euros, where our nearest competitor is at least 370 plus dollars. Now, that's not accessible for, for people to feel empowered as a merchant, if you have a market stall or wherever, to be able to accept crypto and move out of a cash society. And so that's really what we're trying to do with Appia. But really, I think the, the really exciting thing that gets me is these modules, you know, they fit into vending machines, toll machines arcade points but electric car charging points too which obviously is a huge new technology and infrastructure that has a huge backing behind it and an absolute necessity within the world currently and so what i'd love to do and see are these modules being used uh within electric car charging points so that people can have their green and eco-friendly car pay with their green and eco-friendly nano using the appian module to do such a thing so that's the dream there. 
Wow. And so that's, uh, again, something entirely different. You, you then moved into hardware development. We have. <laughs> we have. It's, uh, it's, again, been very interesting. It's been a huge challenge in actually uh-huh. the manufacturing side. And we have working prototypes right now. We haven't moved into the full-blown manufacturing side just due to funding, due to cost, mm. and the fact that it's not our expertise. And so we're trying and looking to find more people to help us on the journey of Appia. But obviously, Nano comes first. So as you're going to have a, a platform, Appia, uh, well, not necessarily a platform, but a hardware platform called Appia, um, that's reliant on Nano, once you've shut the foundation, <laughs> what are the risks of the fact that you've shut the foundation and then your your new business is reliant on on the on the old one? <laughs> well, it's not because the currency is a much less currency in itself. So there's mm. no reliance on on the Nano Foundation for that. It's just reliance on the currency working and the currency works. But do you see? Do you foresee any risks in the in the shutting down of the foundation? I mean, I think it's a beautiful idea to be able to shut the foundation down. I mean, realistically, that is the mission of every charity. You know, we we close our charity's doors because actually the job is done. And I'm not sure if there are any charities that have ever done that. No. And, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe we'll be the first. But, you know, we are we're looking at a lot changes. That is obviously our, our, our end goal is to shut the foundation when Nano is at commercial grade. And once we've seen that it truly can be a global currency, there is no real need to have a foundation behind it. it has to be decentralized to be truly global. And what we see as what will secure the network are companies that also want to partake and use Nano will have a representative node and mm. therefore will all help support and secure the network as Nano's commercial side grows as well. Okay. Well, I mean, let's go back a bit. Right? <laughs> how, how did you get to this position? Because... You went to the same university as me. You went to the University of Liverpool. Yeah. I think you started the year I left. Um, uh. But, h- however, I was vice president of uh, of the, the Guild of Students. Mm-hmm. And so I know that you set up a Scrabble Society, and that does ring a bell, so I'm not sure if we've actually met before. We may have done. <laughs> um, no, it's definitely been it's been an a incredible journey, and I definitely have one of the more... Unnatural and uncouth, I think, pathways to become a director of such a foundation. I studied evolutionary anthropology at university. Um, and from there, I actually went to go and work in Madagascar for a while, uh, working with lemurs and mapping biodiversity of lemurs out in the South Littoral Forest out there. Lemurs are cool. Oh, they're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> but then, unfortunately, Rio Tinto came in and demolished all the forests that we were working oh. in. So that's all gone in Madagascar. Um, the joys of of all of that. That's terrible. And then from from there, I was lucky enough to actually to, to travel. I've always been an artist as a hobby of mine, and I'm a stippler artist, the tiny little dots that make up a bigger picture. Oh, I love those. I'm, I have no idea how you even. I mean, I like a bit of art to do a bit of art myself, but I have no idea how you even start on that. I I have no idea how I started. I have to be honest with you. <laughs> I sat down one day and it happened and it felt very natural. I can kind of um, squint my eyes and see in tones. And then I just dot through that, which is all very peculiar. But I was lucky enough to, to travel for a fair bit after university and then came back and, and got a job in, in advertising. And my clients were Greenpeace were BBC iPlayer, Virgin Trains. And I was doing, you know, the, I was an account manager for all of them. And 
one of my clients was uh, was cancer research, and they would email me and go, "We want to make a gift for our socials. Can you cost it up?" And I'd cost it up, and it would be something like three grand. And I was the worst employee because I would email my other half at cancer research and go, "Just go on this link, and you can do it for free. I'm not charging cancer research. You, <laughs> do you can do it yourselves, and I'll show you how." And I actually I left two years the day. Of, of the advertising job and was lucky enough to have all the support that um, I could to be able to do that. But I mean, with my career, this is what I kind of try to say to you, to so many other women and, and young people in this space is that, you know, to have, and exactly what I said earlier, to have that stamina and to have that grit and that, that inner want of a challenge, you know, can get you anywhere that you want to, to be and to get to. There's no restrictions other than yourself in, in trying to go after what you want for yourself or for you know your wider wider career. Um, and you don't have to be. I've always been an inner nerd. I've always loved technology, but I'm not a coder. And I will hold my hands up and, and say, I wish I was. I really do, <laughs> but I'm not. And what I bring as a director alongside Colin is you know, how can a technology company or as we are trying to create a global currency, how can we do so without taking in the, the so many other facets that make up that technology, whether it's payment behaviors, the anthropological side of cultures and, and payments are so different all around the world. If we just had, you know, coders creating these currencies and these new technologies and innovation, we wouldn't be looking at the usability so much or, or how that could affect culture and change. Um, so I think, you know, there always needs to be a balance within organizations. And that's what we've tried to create at Nano Foundation. Well, I was going to ask you about that because you, you're also a, a judge in Rising Women in Crypto. I am indeed. I was last year, yes. And so how did, how did that come about? And, and what's, what's that? Uh, well, tell us a bit more about that. What, what is that actually doing to try and, uh, is, it, is its intention to, to get more women into technology, into crypto? It's about shining a light on women in mm. the tech space. I think, you know, there's so many voices that just are not heard. For instance, when some of the, the, the you know, the vernacular that I'm trying to change is the difference between hard and soft skills. Mm. Um, I don't really believe that there is delineation there. You know, you can't teach people how to be natural around other people. That isn't a soft <laughs> skill in my book. You know, how can advertising or marketing or operations be a soft skill compared to what others deem hard? In the crypto space, we always get celebrated as a developer team, a dev team. Less than half our team are developers. Mm. And, you know, they're they don't, you know, there's no visibility to everyone that that creates their environment to allow developers to do their best work and, and to, to create that final product. With the Women in Crypto rising, rising list, the rising power list, that was the inaugural year. It's a campaign by Warex, um, and I was very kindly asked to be a judge. Um, we are very close with Warex as partners, and I know the team very well. We've been working together for, for a while now, and I'm quite vocal in the space um, around women and the, the, the need for a safe environment for women online and the abuse that is swept under the carpet far too often. Um, with this, they're going to do it a second year. Um, they are yet to fully announce the campaign, but last year was wonderful where it was all about recognizing the achievements of women and shining a light on, on those that might not be as visible 
as you know the CEOs or whoever in a company who are so often celebrated. And so, are there any uh, are there any sort of general standard paths that people are following to get into, particularly from women? Are you seeing a difference between women and men in terms of the paths that they get they follow they follow to take to get into technology? Well, I mean, we have put out so many job listings, and this is kind of the best way to describe it. And I think we have received one CV from a female developer in three and a half years. Wow. That says it all, really. Um, I think this all comes back and stems from education and from school to make sure that women and girls understand that there are viable careers within technology and within the science and STEM industries that you aren't going to feel like, you know, the one that stands out. You know, I think we've all been to a lecture or a class where you're the only person, whether it's down to gender or whether it's down to this, you feel that you stick out and therefore potentially don't feel as comfortable or it's such a novelty and how wonderful that you are there in the beautiful condescending manner that so many people use. I think it all definitely comes down to schooling. And I'm really excited to see a remarkable change even in the three and a half years that I've been at Nano. I'm seeing a lot more visible female faces around. And actually our team is nearly 50-50, which is so exciting. But there's a long way to go. You know, I still get called a whore constantly on LinkedIn for instance. Really? And yeah. And a student had the the goal to do that on a postal mine. So I tagged his university and went, I'm sure they're incredibly proud that you have written this on LinkedIn, this professional network that your career will be based upon. But it all comes down to the insecurities of people online, the account, the lack of accountability, the anonymous, you know, this the anonymous side of the internet mixed with Mm. finance. And therefore the but also the lack of education around trading financial security and and all of that mixed in with a lot of insecurity of people and how we treat each other online is you know it's baffling I mean I've had my face deep faked on to porn and sent to various people I've had doctored images sent on you know it's it is I've got a an auction on 4chan of who gets to rape me first and that's been online for three and a half years I have petitioned to take it down by Google, but I have no right over that. Yet they have a right over my image and I don't. So there's a lot to be done when it comes to, again, the regulation of the internet. I believe in free speech, of course, but where is the line of harassment and where is the line of abuse? And where's the line of internet accountability when people create these things? That's incredible. I I have no idea how you managed to how you managed to, you have to deal with so much with having something like that out there on the internet. Yep. And all we're trying to do is change the world for better. <laughs> yes. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's been exactly the, the topic yeah. of conversation today, hasn't it? And I, Can you imagine, you know, when I go, I go and give talks to young girls at schools mm. and they go, what's it like? Am I meant to be honest and, and open about my experience without sweeping under the carpet? Yes. But let's, it's all down to all of us. It's down to men, women, Mm. and everyone to change this environment and stop pretending it doesn't happen because it happens every day. And my job now moving forward is making sure that no other women feel and have to deal with what I've dealt with in this space. How much do you think is um, general misogyny versus tech-specific misogyny? 
I, it's a toughie. I think there's, it's so intertwined. I think people, a lot of people like to just join in. Mm. and they don't understand the gravity of actually what they're saying. A lot of these people who are writing these things have daughters, have wives, mm. and that's a separate life to them. They've compartmentalized this abuse because it's not abuse because we're not real people. Mm. I've seen women have to go through similar things of, of what I have, and that really was my, my turning point of going, enough's enough. Let's talk about it. Let's be honest about the horrendous things that are being said or being created online and it's all under the guise of a joke and therefore you know that is then the gaslighting side of, of making a fuss about it because then mm. I get told I'm playing the victim I'm not what I'm doing is I'm showing that people are abusive it's a very different thing yeah 100% I mean I think that's the that's the I, I suppose that's the same sort of sentiment that you've seen within within Hollywood and everything that was around, you know, specifically the Harvey Weinstein thing of like it was yeah. just accepted that that was a thing that happened and, you know, to ignore it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it'll never change if you don't speak up against it. Exactly, but, exactly. But it requires um, it requires such thick skin that I think uh, as a... As a, as, a white ma- as a white middle-class male, I just don't really have enough of a... Uh, an appreciation for because it must be so hard i mean i think we've all dealt dealt with our own mental health battles but Mm. i think it's uh i I can't imagine what it would be like to be in in that position of trying to do something for the better of of society (laughs) in the form of nano and then to have that stuff happen to you it's it's and i and i wasn't aware of any of that no i mean for years i kept getting hounded by people going what do you do for nano and and all that kind of stuff and to have to keep fighting for validation externally you know while continuously challenging yourself with possibly one of the the hardest challenges there are which is making a global currency is exhausting definitely been a challenge it's definitely pushed me to my maximum um but I couldn't have actually done this or survived this if I didn't have the best support network that I have you know I've got Colin as my business partner and best friend and he has been a huge support behind all of this but the the learnings the team the the community um and my kind of my my normal network you know people still don't understand I think the the gravity of how some things can can stay with someone but again Mm. you know Mm. my journey has happened I am going to do my best to make sure that no one else has to go through this and so that um that decision that you have between being blatantly honest with uh you know young girls who might be interested in a career in tech or trying to explain it what how how do you toe that that line at the moment? I'm actually I'm asking for help on that. Actually, um, I have started to have conversations this week with various other women who do such talks and head up such organisations and trying to get girls into tech or fight kind of the abusive side of the internet. And I'm asking how to make sure that I'm using the right language and using the right tone while getting across the severity of of the situation, but mm-hmm. also not putting people off at the same time. So I've I've gone and asked for help, and I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully getting getting better at towing that line and finding the right way to get across that this is such an exciting new world and please be a part of it. Just have your eyes open, and you know we we're all in this together, really, men and women. Yeah, well, I think you know it's it's certainly something that we've tried to cover on this show as well, and we would like to do more of in in the future as well, because I think it's so important that you have a balance, as you've yeah. you know rightly pointed out. Um, some of the best engineers, developers, 
you know, other roles as well, I guess, of uh, within tech of, of, you know, the, the women have played a, a pivotal part in that. In yeah. fact, actually one of my first, my first job in London was working for, a, well, one of my second job in London actually was working for a consultancy that was all female project management consultancy. I was the first men, awesome. first men, first yeah. man hired. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so that was an experience, really, and I think uh, you know, from coming from a, a world where I wanted to be in project management at the time, mm-hmm. and it was very male dominated. Um, my dad was a project manager. Bang your fist on the table and say it must be done now. Uh, <laughs> very different in a in a way to the the the, the agile way yeah. that I was brought into the into that. Um, and they, I mean that that was headed up by a particularly strong woman, I have to say, mm. but with great soft skills. So to your point, you know, how do those two things align, the soft versus hard skills? I think it's actually just being a nice person, probably. It's caring, I think, actually. You know, <laughs> I know I, if I care about my team and I put their welfare first, I'm going to get the best work that I can from them because they're enjoying their work. I mean, I come from a long line of uh, FX traders. My mum was a trader. My dad was a trader. And ah. the whole of my family really are either doctors or FX traders. But I mean, look at the rise of Whitney Wolf Head. And, you know, oh, yes, of Bumble, she is a great example here. And she's, you know, a force of nature. You know, Bumble was born out of a sexual harassment case mm. from her own company. Yeah, I only learned about that recently because we covered on the news show the the IPO that they went through. Yeah, but it was only after that I realised how, how it actually started. Yeah, she, you know, she was sexually harassed by her t- by the rest of her team, the other founders, and thrown out of the company, having broken up with the initial founder, and then decided to put two fingers up and go and create Bumble, putting women first, and look who has succeeded: mm. Bumble and not Tinder. So you know. By heralding women such as her and seeing that, you know, the pathways, yes, that are, you know, there is adversity behind the creation of Bumble. There's adversity in my journey. That's not unless that's not necessarily given. There are, you know, hopefully by us kind of pushing through and plowing through with so many, you know, formidable women before us. um, If we can help along that journey to make sure that no one else, you know, goes through this in the future or in a lesser degree or just change the conversation and narrative around these kind of, you know, situations, then surely that's that's for a better world. Well, I think you, you talked before about, you know, the school side of things and you're changing in schools and having to start there. And uh, it's probably not just in that area as well. I think it's probably media and things like that. You know, if you go back to, um, uh, there's a hell of a lot of, um movies in the 1980s that always pushed like the computer geek has been you know uh, glasses wearing yeah uh, like my good and self. the glasses wearer too though, yes. don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know the glasses wearing male geeks in the corner you know and and again the, the male thing i think is important there like there's a whole load of stuff there but how do we go about changing that how, how what is happening to change the narrative and to to encourage women to get involved earlier i think it starts even earlier than that i have to say it's all down to Look at the gender divide of, you know, I've got two little nieces right now mm. and I want to buy consistently. They are into archaeology and dinosaurs and space. And I cannot find a T-shirt that's not in the boys section that has a rocket or a dinosaur on it. You know, boys have building blocks and girls have princesses and dollies. And that's how it starts. We are 
from a, a tiny and early age shown that that's the pinnacle of success is to be a princess. Mm. And the pinnacle of success for a boy is to build and be an engineer or make rockets or be an astronaut. You know, that's, that's really where it starts. And let's mm. change that narrative. And, and then let's see, you know, what the difference of, of careers could come from that. I think also having to choose your career at 14 when you choose your GCSEs is terrifying. <laughs> you know um and that's that's also scary i mean i chose all sciences and that's what i continued throughout my schooling i mean i did three sciences at a level and art but that was unusual for me you know that was unusual across my friends they were all doing literature and and all that kind of stuff because they didn't feel that they were strong enough in those sciences whether that's down to the teaching or environments the schools but i really think it does come down to very early early age learning and feeling like you girls and boys are no different I was lucky enough to go to an all boys school from 7 to 13 and I think that does change quite a lot of my understanding and development as as who I am as a woman I am incredibly forceful and <laughs> kind of stands my ground because I've had to it was an all boys boarding school and I was the first girl and I loved it how did you get into that <laughs> um it was it was our our local school my brother was actually in their final year mm. and they were turning to girls I just happened to be the first one but I, I mean I was called George and I can climb trees and build a tree house and I can't paint my nails but does that make me less of a woman you know does that make me a tomboy you know so it's I think we need to start and change our narrative from a very early age mm. is that has that already started or how do we start <laughs> um as someone that doesn't have kids um I have two little <laughs> nieces um I've definitely seen a change especially looking at how my brother has brought up his two little girls mm. to loving dinosaurs and wanting to be astronauts. You know, there's definitely been a, a remarkable in, in change um, in that, but that's also down to conversations and I guess mothers and fathers, you know, with very young children feeling like they can have those conversations nice and, and openly with their friends who are all in a similar position. It does feel like a thing that's going to take a long time. It is. So let's start and, yeah. and let's see how we go. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> I mean, I was going to ask you as well how you know how does studying uh, evolutionary anthropology? I didn't even say that right. How does studying <laughs> evolutionary anthropology? Um, how has how has the study of human behaviour helped with your career progression? But I think you may have answered that already. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad <laughs> you feel that way. I mean, in the most simple terms, I don't know how we can create a global currency without taking and considering the anthropological aspect behind the foundation of payment behaviors and culture so are you are you still as a company still looking for your calling as it were you've got these these core values that you have of trying to solve real problems but does that mean like you mentioned earlier about going to people and talking to them and, and finding out what their needs are is that an active task that you're constantly doing like do, do you feel like you have a purpose and and that that nano has its usp and and that just involves constantly searching for different use cases or are you still looking for the right use case we i mean interesting question we actually we are as i said earlier we we take our time and make sure things are done properly we've got two very large use cases that will be launched soon enough when they are ready and they really are fixing a problem within businesses that they could not fix themselves and only done to mm -hmm. nano can that be done and we will release them when they are ready and bulletproof with kind of 
with use cases, obviously anything that money touches and nano could touch and do better um, in our minds. Anyway, we have a lot of work to be done, but also what we're trying to do is empower the community to go and spread and grassroots and spread the word of nano as well. With the kind of two, three big things under our belt, we have we've got no qualms about a uh, steady nano volume and nano actually being used for uh, a long period of time. How we get across that chasm to being a global currency for the everyday user, that is still a challenge that will continuously grow and mm. we will continuously learn along the way. But I think what's important is that we are continuously agile to continuously learning and not thinking that we have the answer because I don't think anyone does. Mm. And is that your personal kind of goal then? Is that where you'd want to see it as being ubiquitous among everyone? I would see that as we've been being successful then yes if but you know even when we see a reddit post for instance someone in india in our community they sadly lost a family member down to covid um, at the beginning of the year and then they decided to go out and hand out masks with nano and they gave out five thousand masks on one day then the whole community donated to them and they continued their work and now giving out big parcels of rice and sustenance to their own community. Now, that is also success for, for us and for Nano. It proves that we've actually made a remarkable change in someone's life and what a most amazing feeling that is. Mm. So we'll continuously try and encourage and do that. But again, it's an ever-changing landscape that we're, we're trying to navigate and we absolutely do not have all the answers to it, but we're mm. keen to keep learning. Yeah, because like... There must be so many untapped ways you can use nano, right? And and you're almost limited to your own kind of ideas, like yeah. oh, we could use it here. We uh, like how do you go about finding those untapped resources or places, or you know, are you inviting people to come forward with their ideas, like open competitions kind of thing? It's definitely exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> That's sure um but it's amazing the people that have come out of the woodwork especially this year who head up very very large companies and go i've been watching you guys for years and actually what i've seen you go through this year and overcome those challenges has made me actually finally want to reach out and instead of going we want nano to be included in this how can i help you get nano to the state that you want to get nano to to then have it in that place. That's what we're all about is nano is so much more than a currency. And I hate this cliche term, but it really is a movement of community. And I think that's what we've been able to prove on a global scale um, with minimal resources is that the passion behind changing the world and the passion and the drive behind altruism is far overlooked in commercial terms. And actually the power of altruism, the world is dying for and in need of a bit of love and a bit of sharing and a bit of humanity and not looking for oneself consistently and that really has what i think the nano community has shown to a further afield whether it's you know someone in our community did a talk at benin university in nigeria a couple of weeks ago and that was tweeted out and the whole community jumped in and through we nano which is one of the best apps Ever, it's Pokemon Go, but with Nano. So remember everyone running <laughs> around with their phones, AR, Pokemon Go, you can actually run around with your phone through AR and pick up free Nano. And that's all being donated by other people within the community. That's cool. It's so cool. I 100% recommend downloading it. 
I'm going to do that right after the show, I think. Yeah, there'll be some spots <laughs> dropped around. And if you zoom out on the map, you'll see the whole world is covered with people sharing nano. And so when this person did this talk at Benin University, the community dropped spots everywhere. And that allowed all the students as you know, who wanted to to go and pick up their first bit of nano for free and partake in this empowerment that is nano. Mm. Did you did you develop that app or did it no community based? That's that's so good. It's incredible, and then even better is We Nano Business. So you, if you're a small merchant, you can set up a spot, and people can pay you for your goods in We Nano Business yeah. at that spot. And then you can go back out to Fiat if you want, stay in Nano. It's honestly it's mind blowingly cool. Mm. I hundred percent recommend downloading it. And that person who did the talk did that was that a talk about Nano or was it just did they? Yeah, it was about yeah. cryptocurrency um, and then Nano on top and how it's slightly different. That person is actually from Nigeria anyway, and all our community is organic. We've never paid for a social post. We've never paid for any true marketing. And all our communities are truly organic, which is just beautiful. I can't really describe it in any other way, really. It's quite amazing. Yeah, and Reddit's kind of like the easiest representation of that because Reddit is just such a, well, you know, it's so community. Are there any other cryptocurrencies that are using Reddit as successfully as you? Um, I don't know. I have to say we are so razor focused with our yeah. goal. We actually, we were trying to remove ourselves actually from the cryptocurrency space. We don't really feel that we are a cryptocurrency. We are just digital money, simple, nothing more, nothing less. Um, and we are obviously a non-ICO project. We, we don't really fit into, and we're not, we're not, we're not really a tra- you know a trading asset. That's not where we are are putting nano. Obviously, it is traded uh, traded in the markets in that way, but that's really not what brings people to our subreddit. It's so much more. It's really about humanity and changing it, which is quite amazing. Yeah, can I ask you a personal question? Yes, you can. What did you want to be when you were in your sex? Do you know what <laughs> I? <laughs> I, I always wanted to be a vet. Always, okay. always, always. I know not as exciting as, uh, as you know, people think, but I always wanted to be a vet or an architect. I was, when I was about six or seven, I used to wish that I was older and to be a more of an adult. And once you get there, God, what I'd do to go back. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to turn that around. What did you both want to be when you were younger? Uh, I think I wanted to be a fireman. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, either that or a train driver. Yeah. And then I wanted to be a racing driver. Oh, yeah, so I still want to be a racing driver. Definitely. Well, I was for a, for a while. <laughs> oh, I'm a huge F1 nerd, so um, I love cars, yeah. Me too, and I've recently got into watching... Uh, I, I bought a subscription so I can watch F1 through a VPN. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I love it. And now, because I have that subscription, I've been watching IndyCar, NASCAR, oh, absolutely bet. everything. <laughs> <laughs> you've weakened the quality slightly in my books i have to say <laughs> i have got into the i have got into the indie car a bit though i do quite like it because yeah. there's a lot of overtaking there's a That's lot true. of overtaking it's it's quite it's quite good racing although mm. i really do like the uh you know the innovation i've always loved the technical innovation in in formula one yeah um, that's it it's amazing and actually the pit stops i just find are possibly the most efficiently organized mm. i find it Oh yeah, the sub two second pit stop pit stops that Red Bull have been knocking it's out. It's amazing. The park. There's a, there's a really good example of um, a 
my one of one of my uh, one of my tech mentors um has, has used this as a as an example in various talks before where he talks about how pit stops were done in the 1950s versus how they're done now and he plays the two videos it's on youtube how the I'm going so going to go and look that up <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a link but it's uh, it's basically a pit stop in the 19 um in like the 1950s and it takes them over a minute to change the tires and then it goes, and now, and they're gone. It's, <laughs> you know, it's it? insane how it's changed because it's yeah. just people in that yeah. respect. It's that's just that's a purely people focused thing. Completely, and yeah. just I think that the concept of how to make things more and more and more efficient, you know, that is nano through and through. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I find it absolutely fascinating. Please do send me that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll dig it out. I'll send it across. <laughs> so so go on then, Sam. What did you want to be? I want. I wanted to be an actor, and then they told me forget about it. Who told you forget about it? The the person who did the sort of interview about what I want to do when I when I'm oh, older. Oh no! So yeah, so I didn't pursue that then. <laughs> but now <laughs> podcasting, you know, it's it's not not far off. There's, there's an entertainment aspect to it. You know. <laughs> exactly. Especially when you get drunk and do the news show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have to say, this has been an experience, this talk. <laughs> there's been ups, there's been downs, there's been all around. <laughs> all around, yeah, exactly. Well, thank you. <laughs> no, absolutely. Thank you very much for, for, for coming on and talking to us. I thought it would be an interesting chat, and it certainly has, has been just that. Uh, so thank you very, very much for, uh, for being on the show. No problem at all. Thank you very much for having me. And it's been great to, uh, to tell my side of the story. Um, a little bit. So thank you very much for that.